Also, I feel like I should give a warning before this starts. I yeah. chain smoke and I accidentally broke my lighter. So you guys are probably going to see me burn my nose at least once or twice tonight. Add yeah. a little action to the podcast. Why not? It's like pyrotechnics. <laughs> I don't know why we wouldn't. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That seems unfair. <laughs> Jesus. How are Is you that- not going to set yourself on fire? Or your closet for that matter. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be entertaining, though. Tonight, this is the Bourbon and Blondes with our two favorite people from Spirits of French Lick. How are you guys doing? Hey. Doing great. We're doing good. good. Good, good. So we have Alan, who makes the alcohol, and we have Jolie, who helps sell it, I guess, market it. Promotes it, people- yeah. Yeah, that's Trash why you're here. Yeah, <laughs> Ooh, that's why you're yeah. here. <laughs> both, both of, all of the, all of the above. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, we're so happy to have you here tonight with yeah, us. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Good. Yeah, we didn't have to go far, so that's a beautiful thing. Yes, this is right. the world we live in now. So, right? Yep. Here we are. <laughs> it's a good oh, thing this so chair funny. is comfortable because I've spent a lot of time in it. <laughs> <laughs> like you never leave it. Well, we're going to start with Alan, but I think he's working on his lighter situation. So we will start with you, Jolie. Tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of your background. Sure. Yeah. I um, was born and raised in uh, Santa Clarita, California. I moved to Indiana when I was 25. I fell in love and had a baby, got divorced few years later, remarried. In between those times, I've worked in the food service industry, um, managing a restaurant, also worked at a sign shop as a director of operations, went to school and studied art history. And so when this marketing position became available, it was kind of like the perfect combination of the design, the art, the hospitality, all of it kind of was perfect to meld into one. So started repping Spirits of French Lick and the French Lick Winery, and here we are. I know. I was going to ask that. I was like, so how many things have you done where you've talked about the Maddie Gladden and all of the things that are involved? And Yeah. Yeah, we've done a lot. It's all consuming at this And there's point, so huh? much more to come. And then the the Lee just, uh, the Lee Sinclair Bottled and Bond mm-hmm. is just releasing this weekend, and so we've got a lot geared up for that as well so we're gonna be busy over the next month or two the nice thing is the maddie's still fun to talk about though i mean it's always fun to tell that story in particular yeah 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 we had a good time at the at that house too we went and filmed there um i saw that on your social media oh my god last weekend we were there it was phenomenal yeah phenomenal so yeah and we've got a lot of cool stuff in the works so i love it all right alan your turn. We're putting you on the spot. You have to give us your elevator pitch of who you are and where you came from. I told you, Lee, that I'm like a dog chasing a car. I wouldn't know what to do with it if I caught it. That kind of sums <laughs> it all up. But uh, <laughs> from Pekin, Indiana, which is a little town about 35 minutes north of Louisville, Kentucky, um, grew up on a family tobacco farm and a family of distillers, both Indiana and Kentucky, legal and illegal, mostly illegal. I started distilling when I was about 15. Uh, I was around it my whole life. I mean, it was just another part of farm work for us. It was um, the same as like seeing a tractor or something, you know, something else that I knew that we did that we would have to do in the fall and it would pay for, you know, property taxes and maybe pay for Christmas or whatever. So I tell people that I was kind of born into a family of vice between raising tobacco and making moonshine. So um, (laughs) I really got started distilling. Right. (laughs) 
really, really got started distilling when I was about 15 for obvious reasons. I either had the best parents in the world or the worst parents in the world. They were um, completely cool with it. They were pretty much completely cool with everything I ever did as long as I did it in their presence. So, you know, there which you I think kind of kept me out of trouble because I've never even had a traffic ticket up to this point. So now tomorrow I'll get pulled mm-hmm. over. It's coming now. It's coming now. Yeah, yeah knock, on, knock on fucking wood. They wouldn't, my, my family wouldn't tell me how to do anything. My dad and my grandpa helped me build a 10 gallon still, and they said, don't blow your ass up in the backyard and bring us something when it's worth drinking, which is nice because it means that I never had anybody say this is the only way something can be done. So, yeah. um, for the little bits that I picked up from them, you know, that's one thing. But then the rest of it, a lot of it's mostly autodidactic because I'm very interested in process and I'm driven by process. And, Julie has to listen to my rambling bullshit all the time, but you know, I'll, I'll lay in bed thinking about distilling and thinking about what if you did something this way? What if you change it like this? Why can't you approach it that way? You know, why can't you throw something new out there? And that's informed everything that we do at Spirits of French Lick uh, for the past now going on five years. Um, previous to that, I worked for um, Copper and King's Brandy Distillery in Louisville, Kentucky for a couple of years, but I'm a, I'm a Hoosier at heart. So I wanted to get back to Southern Indiana because I knew that there was a long history of distilling here. And there wasn't anybody telling the story. So we had distillers here, but nobody was telling the actual story. So I wanted to be the guy that was telling the story. And uh, Spirits of French Lick just happened to be the, um, the right ship to be on. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a tall ship and a star to, to um, sell it by. So Jolie walked in two years ago and I've hated her ever since. That's, That's a good relationship. A <laughs> That's actually a true story. He hated me when I first started. You didn't like me either. No, I didn't care for Wait, you. Wait, why? Because you guys are so very like strong willed and you it's, know what you want to do and it's Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think I think we're actually a lot more alike than what we would ever admit. We're we're very much like brother <laughs> and sister. So Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, for sure. Now we we don't really disagree on anything, pretty much. No. It's all like Well, and like I said to him, he says one of the first things I said to him was like, Why aren't you wearing a logoed shirt? I would just like to point out that I don't I, wear this shit at home because I want to. I do this because I'm on a podcast with you. I and so you. I, I still have that weird COVID mentality where I have to take a shower before I do a podcast, even though I'm not there in person. So, <laughs> I mean, I went out of my way here. You smell good. Is that what you're saying? I'm fat. So not really. I mean, you smell better like than a little while ago, maybe. Cigarettes right. yeah. and KFC chicken or something, you know, so. uh, that should be a candle. Can we sell that at the oh store? Yes. <laughs> I watched a video he did for Sealbox and he didn't have any, he was just wearing like overalls, which I didn't know at the time was a full on distiller thing. He was would be calling our salesman being like this fucking bitch. Like, you know. <laughs> oh no. But in I, my, de- I in my defense, when she, when you came in that distillery the first day, you literally were like full on 100% just on, like you didn't even introduce yourself. You just, you walked in, you're like, I'm the new marketing person and you're going to do this, 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 and this. And why weren't you wearing any logos when you were on that thing? And blah, 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 blah. I then said, you walked away. You I don't walked know away. about what I'm doing and I'm going to be so far up your ass asking questions every single day. She That's said that said. shit and then she turned, turned <laughs> on one hill and walked out the fucking door. <laughs> That's how we got introduced. I don't think that's true. Oh, that is exactly what happened. <laughs> It probably, maybe. Maybe. it probably is. I drink espresso in the morning, so it's completely possible. I, I will not deny. You overdid it a anywhere. little, maybe? I don't know if I overdid it so much as I was just completely myself. She was completely I, I herself. Never, 
<laughs> yeah. I, but I never claim. I never claim my actions after like six coffees. I'm like, I kind of blacked out, you know, yeah. between I like she real one. I felt like she walked in and just punched me in the fucking face and was like, you know, you deserve that, even though I don't know you, and then walked out. That's what the problem was. Like it took me a good it took me a good like three months before I was like, Oh, she's actually kind of cool. You know, mm-hmm. you're welcome. I said that you know publicly there, Julie. Yeah, there you well, go. We have a record of that. Yep. And then right. it took you, you about have- two years to enjoy her company and like work well together. Right. <laughs> no, we don't, we we don't so much enjoy each other's company. We like to fuck <laughs> with each other. That's, yeah, I we mean, do. we, we, we do. call each other at awkward times. And then if one of us comes up with something that we know like is good drama that's going to piss the other one off, mm-hmm. we have to call. We have to call. Even if it makes us mad, like we, I had one the other day where I, it pissed me off, but. I knew it would make her more mad than me, so I saved it for her. I called her, and she wasn't there, and I was like, I'm not telling you this until you get here. I feel like the best relationships have a level, have just a level of abuse to them. Just like a level of emotional (laughs) abuse. Yeah, yeah. There's some trolling going on for sure. Like, when he told me what he told me, too, the other thing is, he filmed my reaction. And so I was all like, I talk with my hands, and so I was like, this like I was so mad and uh and I look over and he's like laughing like has his phone up like wait and I was like the video I want to see it oh it's coming it's so if if somebody asked you what what is spirits of French like the distillery like the this video would maybe be the epitome of it or yeah right well it would there definitely be parts of it I mean I thought it was funny because Steve Akeley wrote a little thing about me on his like bourbon people email. And Mm -hmm. it was like, um, Jolie Kasperzak, an explosion of fun and positivity. And I was like, that's nice. Because (laughs) I am fun. I am fun. And I am super positive. And I always tell Alan, like, I just try and put love out into the world. Like, that's my, I really Mm -hmm. try and be that person. That made me sick to my stomach. (laughs) <laughs> but I I do get pissed off and I do rant and I do have like my little soap boxes that uh, Alan calls it one angry minute with red where it's <laughs> it's definitely longer than a minute. But if something mm-hmm. pisses me off or I feel like someone's wronged like Alan or whatever, I'm just like, ah. <laughs> yeah, so you guys, I don't know what it we've talked to you maybe once before on a live event, but you guys are funny to me and it's great. And I feel like <laughs> yeah. this is the type of relationship I have with everyone in my life. Yeah. It's like yeah. this sort of like right. hateful, make fun of you, just enjoy life type I think, of thing. Yeah. What I think this is, is how funny. all distillers should be. They, they should all distilleries should be like this and mm-hmm. they shouldn't they shouldn't have like that still of like we make whiskey to save the world. No, you make whiskey for people to get drunk and make mistakes <laughs> on. You know, enjoy your job. Don't don't act like it's a burden <laughs> that you have to make whiskey for a living. I think that right. most workplaces are like this. Like you have your 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 people in your workplace that you can fuck around with and mess around mm-hmm. with. And then when it comes time to do like public events, they're like, okay. You know, they button up their collar like and they put it out there. Yeah. yeah. Like prevent the, you know, present this professional, you know, point of view. And and not that I don't, I mean, I feel like you know, how we present ourselves as far as like our print material, our labels, our stories, mm-hmm. like all of that needs to be professional for sure. It, it, you know, we need to be able, I always say like, we didn't come to play. We're here to fucking take over. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, 
it's very important to me that all of that stuff is on point. But when we're doing things like this, we don't, we're a small craft distillery. We don't have a huge marketing budget. What we have is who we are and how we relate to one another. And I don't think that we need to hide our personalities or who we are because some people, you know, like to drink whiskey with their pinkies out. Right. Because it and is leather like, chairs with it's the just wood paneling. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. It's just whiskey, you know? Drink it. Drink There's it. Also- yeah. Also, that weird contract we signed with Satan, too. But, you know, that's a separate yeah, we issue. Don't that, though. So. We can talk about that offline, right? Yeah. That's a good corporate <laughs> word. Let's discuss that offline. Yeah. And we'll address that there. Um, yeah. But I love that you brought up, like, your professional packaging and labeling and stuff. Because Elena has the <laughs> bottle, but I opened it and poured myself half for tonight's recording. Oh, nice. So... I'm obsessed with the labeling you guys did on the Maddie Gladden bottle. I think it is Thank just gorgeous. You. And I just, sta- I stared, I took like maybe a hundred videos of it <laughs> for like social Thank media. You. Totally unnecessary. Like two would have been totally fine, but I am also obsessed with it. One thing yeah. I want to mention that I was like, holy shit. When I was started opening the bottle, the little plastic thing that you guys have around it, you know how most bottles it's like, you have to tear it down. It's like, the the perforated whatever this is like a a gum wrapper like a box of cigarettes like there's a little tab and you pull it and it's open it's open yeah, yeah. i it's was awesome. like it's open this is amazing because i wipe <laughs> every bottle because i like amusing my teeth i don't have fingernails so i'm like okay how the fuck do i get in this right but this i was like I, this is a it's like the yeah. littlest detail. And I was like, oh yep. my God, I love this. Yep. Yeah, you don't want to open it when you're already drinking because you'll think you've broken something. Right. I was sober. Well, if it's Abby, she probably did break it because she is notorious for breaking things. No, I even saved it. I I break, I spill. I'm I saved it because I wanted to remind myself to point it out because it's like literally this is how I opened it. And there's like a little gold tab on the end of it. And it just pops right open. I'm like, I literally Elena's funny because I was like, oh my God, did I just what happened? Is this really is this how it opened? (laughs) Thinking I like ruined it. We should get those printed now, Jolie. We could do like fortune cookie wrappers. Like oh my god, it has like a little cookies. a little positive yeah. message on the inside. Right. It says respect the grain on the inside. There you Ooh. Go. Right. I like this. But yeah, no, the packaging, that was ace. I love it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It was a it was a lot of work. I didn't really have anything to do with the first round of packaging. And not that I don't like it, but I definitely have a completely different uh viewpoint. Um and so moving forward um the whole bottled in bond line will follow along this design um okay with the scroll work and each um each character is illustrated that we don't have a picture of maddie otherwise her face would be illustrated on there one doesn't exist so um we were able to just kind of i know right it's bad she was such a badass and she doesn't have I a know. photo <laughs> i know they have one but you can't make out any detail unfortunately yeah. there's yeah. one of her and then we'll get to the story um of it but um but yeah it needed to be um it needed to be something special yeah i think you achieved it i loved it thank you i appreciate yeah. that you're welcome yeah. julie you're did welcome. a great job on that without a doubt it's it's freaking awesome and it just makes our it makes our stuff stand out and it's in the right kind of bottle too you know in mm-hmm. my opinion yeah we love i those, love those we love bottles. those weighted arizona bottles i love a bottle with a heavy bottom 
So yes. if you're, you know, if you're in a bar or something, somebody sets it down, it makes a noise. Yeah. And it has some weight significant. to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Those yeah, are my I favorite. Al- I also like it because it's tall and so it doesn't fit on a lot of shelves. Mm-hmm. So they automatically have to put it on somewhere specific. Somewhere specific. Yeah. And a lot of times those are eye level mm-hmm. where a lot of the tall bottles go. It's yeah. So um and it's a top shelf bourbon for sure. So it's um that's where it belongs. <laughs> there you go. So it was on purpose. You have to put it on the top shelf now because I made the bottle this way. That's right. That's right. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I will say also the color. I don't know if this is going to show up well. So I put it in like a little decanter that I have because nice. you know, mm-hmm. Elena and I are splitting the bottle. But the color of this, I just was like staring at it. I put it up in the sun and the light was coming through. And I was like, oh, wow. I love this. It's a phenomenal color. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got a nice mahogany color to it. It's a lot of, uh, it, which is odd too because we use number two char barrels, which is something else that people oh, are interested to. So yeah, um, but it has it has that. to do with number two charred oak barrels, and then also very low entry proof is where a lot of that mm. color comes from. What is entry proof? One hundred five. Can I ask one hundred five. Yep. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah, everything everything we do is open. I mean, there's there's no um. I think no that the work the. The dirtiest mm-hmm. word in bourbon is it's a trade secret. No, it's not. You're full of shit. You don't have any <laughs> secrets. All of us distillers know you're bullshitting everybody. Your secrets are worse than what goes in your bourbon and how it's made. <laughs> right. Yeah, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and Alan always says, like, you can take my recipe. You can take my, um, you know, you can take my fermentation days and temperatures and the barrel and everything and do it exactly how I did it. And you won't come out with this bourbon. It yeah, doesn't. It's especially with a pot still like it's it's about mm-hmm. the distiller it's not about i mean it is a lot about how you're running it and things like that but again that goes back to the di- to the distiller and how he and picks the character the of the distillery right too. you know that's a lot of it it's a lot of yeah. place and time all that stuff ties into it in a major major way more so than people realize so that's fascinating i love I it i mean to interject no red. do it no no, well, it's your story, dude. I'm like, yeah, no, keep talking. This is great. Yeah. I don't distill this stuff. <laughs> right. We just drink it. Yeah. That's why you're here to tell us how you did it. You talk about how you made that bourbon. <laughs> just a pretty label. Nice. <laughs> Do you want to start with Maddie's story first, real quick? You yeah. Go through that. So you know something I love about it. Okay. Story. Yeah. yeah. You tell yeah. it. Let's hear it. All right. So spirits of French Lick isn't just the the spirits in the bottle. It's the spirits of the place very much so. And it's not at all a marketing story for us or just a marketing story as it is for a lot of other distilleries. If we're going to put somebody's story out there, we want it to be as legitimate as what it can, have as much background as what it can, and as much verifiable evidence as what it can, because these are meant to be in some ways uh, a living tribute to the spirits of the local place, right? Mm -hmm. So we very much everything that I do is somewhat at least uh, influenced by superstitions and stuff that I grew up around, things of that nature. So I want to make sure if I'm using somebody's name, I'm giving them the proper respect and the proper background, etc. So we tend to pick out characters who either were incredibly famous in their time or and are now no longer known that well and or were incredibly overlooked in their time and deserve a second look. So. Uh, people who really built the culture of the local place as much as anything. And Maddie was certainly one of those. So the first bourbon we came out with was Lee W. Sinclair. And so Sinclair was a businessman from Salem, Indiana. He owned New Albany and Salem State Bank. 
Uh, he later moved, well, he didn't move, but he started, uh, went and bought the hotel that was at West Baden. It burned down. He rebuilt it into the new West Baden uh, Dome and Hotel, the Carlsbad of America with gaming, casinos, etc. Yeah. Uh, but Maddie was actually a housekeeper for Lee when she was a teenager, which is kind of cool because they huh. definitely knew one another. Yeah. Um, some new evidence that we recently came across suggests that when Maddie was about 17, we knew she took off to Tennessee uh, with her first husband, who was a Schultz. So the Schultz is what we found out in Washington County. So we're in Orange County, the, the distillery is, but I'm from Washington County, and that's where Lee was from and Maddie was from, Salem, mm -hmm. Indiana. So the Schultzes were involved in local business, and it turns out that the Schultz gentleman that she married was probably a very close business associate of Lee Sinclair. Oh. You can probably imagine what might have happened at some point in time at Sinclair's house <laughs> and why hmm. Schultz then left for Tennessee and took Maddie with him. So uh -huh. once she gets to Tennessee, the Schultz gentleman either passes away or she divorces him. She marries again uh, to a Barton gentleman. Around the same time, she starts a, for lack of any better word, bordello or whorehouse in Chattanooga. And then she starts one in Nashville. She builds mm. quite a reputation and a name for herself. And there's some ancillary evidence that she was, at least for some time, a mistress to P.T. Barnum, which is pretty pretty cool in my mm. opinion. So yeah, we have a, a lot of circus connections in, in French Lick. So there was a gentleman. <laughs> it's weird. It's, I French never knew. Weird, it's, it's weird. weird. French Lick has got some crazy ass history. It's And there's, there's, there's so much history there because there were nine hotels and casinos at one point in time. If you're at all oh, wow. interested nine? in like... Nine. Yeah, none of and them, none of them were ever legal until the current one. So Maddie supposedly yeah. fell in love with P.T. Barnum, was his mistress. The, the legend goes that P.T. paid her off at some point in time to leave and come back to Salem. To me, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, I think, if anything, maybe he gave her a gift because she was, quote unquote, retiring from the business, right? Hmm. But she comes back to Salem, Indiana, which at the time is a little bitty railroad town along the Monon. The Monon train tracks uh, basically moved businessmen between Chicago and Louisville. When she moves back to town, of course, all these rumors are circulating in this little small conservative conservative town that she'd been P.T. Barnum's lover, that she'd ran all these whorehouses. Um, she starts building this magnificent Queen Anne style house. Which at the time, no one had seen that type of architecture. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it was and in a magazine is, or they had heard about it, but at that like time, it was like, no one had seen it because yeah. it came from yeah. wherever it she was. was yeah, it was Tennessee. like cutting edge, big city oh. type architecture at the time. Okay. Yeah, very like full on late Victorian right? Bell Epoch sort of thing. Um, very grand, very impressive. Uh, it, and it was it was meant to show off the kind of money that you had for sure. And so mm -hmm. she builds this right on Main Street. Of course, all these rumors are swirling and everything. Well, to no one's surprise, she turns around and opens up a whorehouse. Um, at the time, <laughs> she's on her third husband, which uh, um, uh, I can't remember his, his first name. Julie? Percy. 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 Yeah, Gladden. Percy Gladden. So Percy was, um, he owned a, a couple of moving picture theaters in town at the time, mm -hmm. the very first ones that were ever there. He owned a couple saloons. Percy was uh, pretty full of himself. He actually listed his occupation as cowboy on their marriage certificate. <laughs> Elena, um, you told me that. You're like, that's my favorite part about him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he, their relationship. Uh, yeah. By, oh my god! All, it gets better. <laughs> by all accounts, their relationship was super tumultuous, uh, as you can imagine. He's running saloons, doing whatever he's doing. She's running the whorehouse, doing whatever she's doing, right? But 
So Maddie had no shame about anything that she did. She openly advertised it. The town didn't have any laws against what she was doing at the time, although it mm -hmm. was definitely pissing off the local ladies and some of the conservative local men as well, <laughs> uh, even though I'm sure some of them, they were paying to get in when nobody was paying attention. But she would flaunt herself. So she would, for example, walk down to the local train station at, at four o'clock every day to hand out her business cards. And she'd be dressed in the nines, big dress, uh, covered with diamonds, diamond brooch, diamond necklace, et cetera, mm -hmm. big hats. Uh, and the little kids, uh, all their parents would make them come inside at three o'clock so they wouldn't see Maddie. Um, <laughs> one of the stories we got from the homeowner that owns the Maddie Gladden house and restored it, Chris Bundy, he told a story about a lady that lived down the street that was in her 90s. And she said that she remembered Maddie and she remembered that she was not to go outside when Maddie was walking down the street. So she snuck out to watch Maddie and she was hiding behind some bushes. And as Maddie walked by, she stood up because she was in such awe. She'd never seen anyone like that before. And Maddie walked over and kind of pinched her cheek and patted her on the head and said, what a sweet little thing you are. And then walked on. Well, unfortunately for the little girl, her mother saw it. So her oh, mom no. came and grabbed her by the ear and drug her back to the house, uh, made her go wash with lye soap and go to bed without supper at three <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. So that poor girl. Uh, poor guy. Yeah, right? So Maddie. <laughs> Maddie ran the whore, the whorehouse for about six years. Um, and this was not just like a normal, this is not a hole in the wall, like, you know, scum of right. the earth sort of thing. This is, she had four girls that worked for her and she expected them to be educated and literate. And she also expected them to learn how to play harpsichord because she had a harpsichord. She very much was catering to the Chicago businessmen. Although we do know that there were certain locals that did go there. There were, were definitely a uh, back staircase that you escaped down, etc. cetera. Uh, one of the other stories we have is a gentleman was telling us that uh, when he was a kid, he remembered his dad being at the barbershop. There was a gentleman that was older that was getting his haircut. And he was talking to the barber and they were talking about local hangouts back then. This gentleman said that he went to the Gladden house and the barber said no you didn't that was for the rich people from chicago and he goes yeah i did he goes i saved up for a whole year so i could go he was like 17 right so this is like a big deal this is this is, this is his move into becoming a man is, is he's gonna go to the poorhouse in town and so the barber goes well what did it cost you and he goes it cost me a hundred dollars and he goes well was it worth it and he oh basically God. the guy looked at him and he goes what's a hundred dollars for a little slice of heaven um there were definitely locals taking advantage of it so yeah maddie they had to save up for a whole year that's insane yeah and it was it's rock. fancy oh. like they have an original one of her original chandeliers in the um in the front hall and it's like all crystals it's got crystal like spike studs coming out all around it just like super drapey i mean it, you could tell just looking at that like the whole place was done up with the P.T. Barnum thing. So this girl's making $100 a night. She didn't need P.T. Barnum to pay for shit. You know what I mean? It was not necessary in any way, shape or form. So finish going through the, the part with Percy. So she and Percy divorced shortly thereafter. Percy came back into town and tried to break into the house while he was drunk. She shot him in the face out of the second story window, which would have killed him, except the window ledge actually caught the bullet and slowed it down. They were married again a year later and then divorced again. <laughs> like so all good she, relationships. Love right, right there. Is she it something going on. Yeah. Is, right. it? Is it though? Is it? Do you have then, to shoot him to love him? <laughs> Right. No, I and felt her, like it a few times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Haven't we all her, been there? <laughs> yeah. Her last last husband was a, a, a Mr. Meyer, who was a local farmer, very, very rich farmer. And they actually they had an interesting relationship. And and my guess is that if she ever had anybody that she actually cared about uh, on that level, that's probably who it was, because they they both had prenups with one another. And the cool thing about it is the prenup basically stated that if one of them died, the other one didn't get shit. It went back to their families, which is kind of cool. Oh, wow. So um they weren't married for very long unfortunately although maddie's story sounds incredibly romantic 
you got to imagine she went through a lot of shit during that whole thing. Uh, you know, back then, you know, you're not going to report anything to anybody, especially if you're running a brothel. Uh, right. First of all, second of all, the Percy Gladden thing was pretty violent. Uh, third of all, Maddie had a degenerative disease called Bright's disease and her, her only son also had Bright's disease and oh, he died the fall before she died. And he actually sent his wife and, and son at the time to go live with their mother. And he went back to live with Maddie. So Maddie would take care of him. He died that fall and then she died the following spring and they're actually buried next to one another. So it gives you a little, a little insight that everything is not as pretty and rosy as it seems, even though she was badass. obviously, you know, she, yeah. she also had struggles too. If there's a one ton safe, still safe, that Maddie actually had built into the house. She had it put underneath the stairwell. And there's a false door panel there that unless you look really closely, the only way that you can see there's a panel there is there's a little tiny keyhole. And when you huh. open up that panel, there's actually an old electronic wire. It's still the original wire and it still works to this day that buzzes into her room upstairs. So she knew if anybody was fucking with her money. The really cool thing about it is that what? we actually put bottle number one right? in that safe because they're selling the house right now. And so bottle number one is in that safe for the next home homeowner. Oh my gosh. I just got the chills. That's awesome. That's, right. So how badass do you have to be to build a house around this safe and then be like, you touch it and I know like immediately whether yeah. it's doing her business or she's sleeping, she is automatically notified that someone's trying to get into her safe. Mm -hmm. I mean, that she it it just goes to show, I think, how seriously she took her money and her mm -hmm. business. Right? Yeah. She wasn't right. there to play around. And it even also though everyone hated what she was doing for her career. Well, most of the community, I should say, not all right. of them. Right. Um, some of them, I'm sure, thoroughly right. enjoyed it. But that's right. amazing. She was just so steadfast in what she wanted to do. She knew what she was good at. She enjoyed it. She protected it very yeah. seriously. Very seriously. That's amazing. Right. And she had. She was armed, right? She shot her ex-husband in the face. So she had guns at the house. So she knew how to protect herself. It wasn't like mm -hmm. she had a bodyguard or, you know, dudes kind of hanging around. I mean, yeah. she, what do I always say? She's a boss ass bitch. Right. <laughs> Not it wrong. also speaks Agreed. to this speaks to why we named the bourbon after her right so we we wanted to name a bourbon after a woman for sure one way or the other and there are others that we will name that way as well but we we wanted to make sure that when you did it right it has to be the right kind of bourbon and it has to be the right kind of woman so obviously maddie was maddie was a little on the spicy side of things and, and maybe mm -hmm. that's a little tongue-in-cheek with the rye thing whatever but the the moral of the story is Maddie was so badass, in my opinion. I don't care. You can pick any of those bourbon legends that you want to that they put on bottles in whatever state you want to pick it out of. And she could have went toe-to-toe -to -toe and probably whipped the shit out of any of them. She deserves mm -hmm. it. I would agree. Agreed. We're also not sure if there's any other bourbon named after a woman. We know that there's a couple of distilleries named after a female, but I don't know about a specific bourbon. Yeah, probably not first name that I can think of. I could think of like, you know, husband's last name where they were right. joint on a project, but are right. joint on the bourbon or whiskey. But right. yeah, not first and last. <laughs> There's some very oh. unique answers on the internet. Oh, is there? Okay. <laughs> Somebody goes fireball? Like, right. Yeah. Right. No. They named that one after Jolie. Interesting. We've done a little bit of a research and we haven't been able to find anything. Like I said, there's, um, there's a couple more coming. I mean, we're, you know, history yeah. is history is diverse. So there's um, there's more coming. Oh, nice. 
I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're excited about that project. I love, this is just, I'm sure Elena would feel the same, but I love that you guys are taking a person and bottling it, like their history, their story, their spice of life and things like that. History is kind of fascinating to me. I'm not very Mm -hmm. good at it on any level. I very rarely remember the good stuff. It's amazing to be able to not only talk about what bourbon is and how you make it and all of that, but like there's actually purpose behind this bottle. It's somebody who's very prominent in the history of the town. And so I always tell people like if there were ever a crossroads where music, history and distillation and agriculture met, that's where I'd be at. Right. So I was part of the Washington County Historical Society for years. Listen, I can write articles all day long about history and I'll get like 10 people that at the most that really read them and understand them. But if I yeah. put it on a bottle of whiskey and you start to associate that story with drinking that bottle of whiskey and that story becomes part of the terroir of that bottle as much as the ingredients, mm-hmm. then you're interested. And so that's fun for us to present that history. And there's two sides mm-hmm. to us, as you can tell. There's a very serious history and very serious quality distillation side of things. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the we like to party sort of thing. So like that's why we do <laughs> shit like unpretentious so we can make fun of everybody else. Yeah. So, you know, and that's that's what's fun. <laughs> But yeah. the, the whiskey in the bottle, just to give you a little a little background of how that's made, um, mm-hmm. because that's obviously very important, I think, becoming more important to to everybody that's interested in bourbon, it seems like. So we are not the largest distillery in the state of Indiana craft distillery, but we are the largest pot still distillery in the state of Indiana, which is a title I imagine we will retain because everybody else that's going in is either staying very small or they're going very large like Hard Truth and putting in continuous column stills. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in love with pot still distillation. I, I like women that have attitudes and have curves and pot stills beat people up a little bit. So um, <laughs> you're not wrong. I'm all about that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm all about that and I enjoy that. And I enjoy the, the complications that come along with pot still distillation. You don't really create consistency through pot still distillation. You manage it over time by managing your different blends and your different cuts and mm-hmm. everything in the world affects pot still distillation from barometric pressure to, uh, moon phases to whatever mood I'm in the, in the day, if I don't feel good, whatever, that all affects everything, right? So, so pot stills are all about retention and concentration of flavor. And although most bourbons nowadays are made on continuous columns, the truth of the matter is bourbon was created on a pot still and pot stills are still highly respected the world around. If you're going to make single malt Scotch whiskey in Scotland, you're using a pot still because you legally have to. If you're going to make cognac, mm-hmm. you're right. using a pot still because you legally have to. Not saying you should legally have to make it make your bourbon with a pot still, but I certainly think that a pot still can bring out characteristics that we have forgotten because of industrialization and because mm. of the continuous column still. Okay. So we we make this with a, an odd mash bill. It's 55% corn, 35 rye, 10% um, victory malt, which is a brewer's malt. We use a lot of brewer's malts because they have a lot of flavor to them. They're a lot bigger than distiller's malt. Distiller's malt is the single most unsexy thing in the distillery. It has one job <laughs> and one job only. And it's for conversion. We ferment for four days at 85 degrees. Um, we actually split that fermentation into two halves. We ferment 600 gallons one day and then start the next 600 the next day. Uh, what we do is the first day we use a, a house yeast. It's very good at pulling out the grain profile and the grain character, mm-hmm. which is where okay. the motto respect the grain comes from. And day two, we use a brandy yeast that pulls out all the sort of fruity characters that we want in the distillate. Um, we strip that on the pot still. Uh, collect all the alcohol, then we double it on one of the smaller uh, doubling stills, usually Inanna. All the stills are named um, after different goddesses of antiquity, etc. Um, and then nice. on this particular product, we have a lot of different things we do to change up distillation specs. So everything's double pot stilled, but uh, for certain things like Lee Sinclair, it's a little lighter and a little fruitier. We might change the vapor path to get a little more natural reflux. So we'd raise the proof in the purity a little bit naturally. 
With this, we're going over as heavy-bodied spirit as what we can. We want this to be as heavy as what it could possibly be. We actually don't cut into the tails portion, or we don't cut away from the hearts into the tails as early on this product. We want a little bit of tails left behind because it's going to give us a lot of mouthfeel. And it's also going to give you this, this kind of interesting, not only the chewy sensation you get when you're drinking it, but also after you drink it, that oiliness, it comes back around on your palate for quite a long mm -hmm. while. So um, that's really why we drop down into the tails a little more than most pot still distillers would on this particular okay. product. From there, 105 proof into the barrel. Um, and number two, charred oak barrel, 53 gallon or larger. We don't ever cheat on anything. We do, obviously, you can't on bourbon, but we, ne we never add anything post-distillation to any product we make um other than water and barrel um there are no cheats in our distillery it's all 53 gallon and larger uh barrels so you know nothing nothing uh, against anybody that's doing any of the other stuff but uh I, I'll, I'll stick with the, the time testing stuff for sure so you like your process i'll respect that mm -hmm. i do i do yeah it smacks me around a little bit and i'm still still learning but uh <laughs> when it when it doesn't do that anymore i'm just gonna go dig ditches for a living so <laughs> well, that's uh, one retirement path that you could choose. Right? And listen, I've, I've got one talent and one talent only. I'm very, very, very much aware of, of where my, my talent and my luck lies. I don't know what the hell I'd be doing if they did not allow for distillation in Indiana at this point, but I can guarantee you it wouldn't be making the money I'm making and I wouldn't be anywhere near as happy as I am. <laughs> You'd be blowing up things in your backyard, probably. Right. Probably. You're not right. wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> You really are. You're, you're right on. That home I mean, still. That home still life. <laughs> yes. yes. I'd, be, I, I'd be the subject of the evening news for sure, at least once or twice. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love pot stills. I love how they look. I, I don't I don't know as much about the distillation aspect and the flavor and the, the all of that. That still is like a whole other world to me. But yeah, I love the way they look. I love the process. I just it's I don't know. It feels like old school distilling to me. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then I went to Jameson in Cork, Ireland. They yeah. have this still, this pot still. Outside? It's, I think it's inside, but there's oh. three. It takes up three floors of a building. Like so at each level of the building, it's on like their old campus, like their original campus. At each floor of the building, you're touching a different part of the pot still. And like you can't Amazing. even see where it goes. And I'm like... This is insane. This is so cool. Twenty-seven thousand gallons, or something like that. It's it's either the largest pot still in the world crazy. or the second largest. It it's massive, though. I know what you're talking. It had about. a whole sure. building dedicated to it, and they were like so excited about what it did and where it came from and all that thing. So when oh, yeah, there's stuff. Yeah. I I'm not gonna say I prefer column silver as pot still because I don't know anything about either enough to make that decision. But I love yeah. the way the pot still looks. It's like so cool. Yeah. The interesting thing about the conversation about pot versus column without being technical really at all is that the, the easy analogy is that they're both making music. They're just doing it two different ways, right? So a column still is a lot like an electric guitar. There's a lot of input, and it's a little easier to maybe cover up a mistake and keep consistency on a column mm -hmm. still. And a pot still is a lot more like an acoustic guitar. It's a little more rhythmic. It's a little more percussive. It's maybe hmm. a little more reflective of the person who's involved in the process than, than a column still is. So, I mean, if you have a pot still distillery... And no matter how well I would train somebody, right? If I train somebody else to do what I do, and, and we will, and we are currently, mm -hmm. when, when they run the still, they're going to run it differently than I am. No matter how I tell them to do it, they're going to come up with something that's their own thing, and you'll be able to tell a difference. Uh, maybe not so much in the age project product because of blending, but off of the still, you would be able to tell a difference between the two products because there's a certain profile that fits each distiller. It's geeky shit. 
<laughs> I'm like a nerd, dude. You're such a nerd. I know. I know. We I'm hate nerds in overalls. They're the worst. That don't wear logos. That don't wear branded <laughs> items. Ladies, these fucking overalls. Right. I can't even explain. Like he still wears them. He they are rompers for dudes. <laughs> Whenever you say overalls, the first thing I think of as a woman is, God, it's hard to pee in those. It doesn't have anything to do with sexiness. Not that I would bring anything to that conversation to start with. It's all about fucking, It's those are fucking adult man PJs. That's what they are. And they're fucking yeah. comfortable mm -hmm. as hell. Never yeah. too hot, never too Wait, cold. This is great. It's also functionality in the distillery. So here's here's the thing. And it's the same thing for farmers too. So it's it's actually a protective layer of clothing. So you literally have two choices. You get overalls or you get the fucking douchebag leather apron. There's no in between, right? It protects you if you get mash on you. It protects you if you spill mm -hmm. something. And that's, that's the whole okay. purpose of it. Okay, okay. Okay. And I'm not doing the leather apron. All right, I'll give shit, you that. So. I'll give okay. you that. But yeah, Alan, if you wore a leather apron, that would be hilarious. I would make fun of you. leather apron that says the alchemist. <laughs> oh my God. Add it to that uh, Amazon Christmas list. Can you have here? No shirt, just the leather apron. Pull on. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> Thank you, Kit Mace. I know what I look like naked, and that gave me nightmares, buddy. So. <laughs> Let's not do that. So anyways, on the uh, on the whiskey tasting. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to part one. Part two is next. Go find it, listen, and enjoy. Cheers.